Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams, and we have a little bit of a different show for you today. Rather than chatting with Mary Kay and Dan Lobby, I'm joined by Louisville football beat writer Cameron Teague. Cameron has done great work for the Carrier Journal on the Cardinals beat. It's one of the most competitive and popular beats out there. It's been cool watching him shine and working under the one and only Raina Cash. Uh, so Cameron, how you doing, man? Sounds like things are cool with you, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Saying, start trying to stay at home, stay healthy as much as I can. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yep, yep, I hear that. I hear that. So, look, with Cameron today, we're going to talk a lot about offensive tackle prospect Makai Becton. Of course, the Browns and him have been tied at the number 10 pick. That's why we do the draft. Who knows where Becton will land. But uh, Cameron's one of the guys who knows Makai better than anyone as he's been following. Uh, Makai, he said off the air, he's, he's been writing about Makai forever. So he's going to have a lot to say about Becton here shortly. But first, uh, I, you know, we don't get these opportunities much to, to chat and have a, a, a young uh, up-and-coming journalist like yourself. So, Cam, just for the listeners, I want to ask you, just your, your two-minute rant, the cliche question, you know, why did you get into sports journalism and how did you land one of the, the best beats in the country in sports writing, man? Yeah, yeah. My sports journalism career is kind of like, I don't know, it's weird. I've been wanting to do it since I was a kid. I remember watching um, just Stuart Scott was the one who just made me like fall in love with sports journalism. Um, but I was never a great talker, so I never wanted to go on TV that much. Sure. Um, I loved writing. I have like, I mean, my mom can tell you, I have like tons, I mean, dozens of like short children's like sports books on her computer that I never finished. I would just like get a different idea. So I was writing all the time, um, went to school for it. Um, move. I got a job in, in Ohio covering preps out of college for a year. Moved to Missouri um, when I was covering Missouri sports out there. So Missouri uh, football, men's basketball. Um, and then, like, randomly, I think I was covering the women's NCAA tournament. And I was sitting in my hotel room before a game, and my friend sent me the link to this job, the Global Curry job opening. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I got time. I'll apply for it. Not thinking I would get it, not thinking anything of it. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I was actually really sick for like two weeks. I just got out of the hospital and I got a call from Raina um, for an interview. And it's just that everything kind of fell into place. I came for an interview and here I am. That's awesome, man. And again, it's been so dope watching you shine. You know, as a, as a talented young brother, I've been following you for a minute. And uh, Raina and I crossed paths at the Star Tribune. She was the, the Vikings editor there when I was doing preps uh, with a little internship and not many people like her in the industry, so. Uh, oh, Raina's great. I love her. She's the best boss I've ever had. I love yeah, her. I believe that, man. I believe that. So, 
uh, again, I just wanted to do that for the listeners. It's cool to hear these origin stories and how, how we land where we are. And uh, that means, like you said, you've been writing a lot about Makai Becton. Uh, if you're listening to this, you, you know the gist. He's one of the top four tackles in the draft this year. The Browns, if he's there at 10, are really going to have to consider him. Uh, what's interesting about Makai and what I want to ask you, Cameron, is when we when I started getting into this draft stuff in, you know, middle of the football season, probably December, January, when you start really focusing on this stuff and you realize the Browns need to tackle, um, place like PFF had Makai, and they still do, uh, outside the top five. They had a second, third-round grade on him. Uh, and all of a sudden the combine happens and, you know, he runs that sub five. 40 and he's just an athletic freak and he kind of became a darling of the combine. Uh, so what I want to ask you first is, have you been surprised by his, his, his rise or did you kind of just figure it was only a matter of time before he became a national story? Yeah, no, I, I, I did think he would become a national story. I didn't think it'd be like this. I didn't think people would be thinking about him going forward at the giants. Um, and I talked to uh, Dame Brugler from the athletic back in, I think end of October for, I was doing a profile on Makai. And he had him as a top 60 prospect. And I talked to Dane a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, man, it's just shocked he's out the top 10. I just – I think people saw how powerful he is. And he got better as the season went on. I think he absolutely was tremendous against Clemson. That helped him a lot. Uh, was dom- absolutely dominant against Syracuse, which was his last home game. Um, I, ju- I just think people saw how dominant he was. Then he goes to the combine and runs a 5-1. It's not many 6-7, 360-pound people you see run that way. Um, I think once that happened, it was sealed. I even actually, I just got off the phone with him, before, with, with him before I talked to you, and I asked him if he expected this, and he thought he was late first day, early second, like coming into the season. Um, he never expected to blow up like this, but I think when you missed his size and his power, um, and his personality is very physical. He wants to be dominant. He wants to, he wants to throw the person that crosses him on the ground. Um, you mix that with his athleticism. It's hard to see him outside the top 10 or even top 15 if he somehow falls that far. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And listeners, you heard it here first. Cameron just got off the phone with Makai Becton, and then he had a, he's nice enough to sit down with us. So we're getting it right from the source here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, not that you need to spill the beans on what you're writing, Cameron, but uh, what were your takeaways from what you just talked with Makai? You mentioned how you guys hadn't touched base in a, a couple months. How is he doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's excited, I, obviously, for good reason. Yeah. Um, I think he, he obviously wanted to walk across the stage, but obviously with everything going on with the pandemic, he can't. Um, he's down in Dallas with his family, um, which is where he worked out with Duke Mayweather and worked a lot. I think a lot of people, when they talk, we, you heard experts say it, analysts, even scouts have told him, maybe his one weakness is sometimes his hands aren't where they need to be or his technique's off. They've done a lot of work on that this offseason. Um and just he just I think more than anything he said it over and over and over again. I just want to play football. I just I'm just ready to play football. And uh, this is a kid who works really really hard all the time. Um, he wants to be dominant. I think I asked him what he wants to I guess what he wants to show when he gets to camp in the summer. He just said one word: dominate. And that's I mean, there's no better way to describe him than that than that word. That's how he is all the time. Yeah, and Brown fans probably like to hear that. You know, you want a, a fierce competitor there at left tackle, someone who takes it seriously. Uh, is there anything that the average fan may not know about Makai? I mean, the, the size speaks for itself. You mentioned the, the 40 time. Is there anything that you've been able to uncover about him that, uh, you know, is a nice wrinkle or a nugget that, that might surprise people? Yeah, I tell people this story all the time. Um, and it's, it wasn't like an interview. It was, so he got hurt uh, first week in November um, at, at Miami. I think just sprained his ankle. But he couldn't play the next week at NC State. 
Um, and we're at practice. We're talking to his backup who we've never talked to. It's his very first media session. And it's pouring rain. Nobody wanted to be there. Media didn't want to be outside. All the players sprinted inside. And Makai and that's idea, the only two people outside with the, with Makai's backup. And Makai is just sitting there cheating, like smiling, cheering on his teammate. I thought that was just the craziest thing because you don't see people do that. Um, but that's the kind of guy Makai is. He's You won't find anyone that has a bad word to say about him. Um, I did a story back the first week of the season. I went kind of behind the scenes with the off the line lineman for dinner at their coach's house. I mean, he's a jokester. Okay. Always, always is laughing. Um, he's just, I don't know. It's just a lot of guys. He's his team absolutely adores him. I think that's something when he gets to Cleveland, that'd be a similar way. Yeah. And that's something I'm sure with the research, you know, guys like Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry do, I'm sure they're finding these things out now. And yeah. it sounds like a guy who will line up with this new Browns way they're, they're, trying to bring in and we'll, we'll get to the Browns. I know you, you probably have a few things to say uh, yeah. considering uh, being from Cleveland and all that. And we'll, we'll get into it. I want to uh, stay on Makai here though, for a second, you mentioned his a weakness with his hands. Um, anything else, any other you worry about him being a, a top 10 pick where he's it's headed. If you had to pick any other weaknesses, do you see any? No, I mean, he's an absolute dominant run blocker. I mean, Louisville, when they needed yards, they just ran to him. They just said run left, and it was it didn't be a matter if it's outside zone or inside zone. He would, he's throwing people on the ground. There were times where they would pull him when they needed to, or they would shift him inside, just a different kind of alignments to go behind him. Um, it's a very underrated pass blocker. I think that's something a lot of people kind of say about him is that sometimes that could weakness, but I don't really see that. I think he's given up. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe three sacks his whole career. I don't think he gave up a sack last year. If it was, it was one. Um, which is pretty impressive. Um, now, and then Louisville ran a lot of play action, a lot of RPO type deals. But, I mean, they threw the ball deep a lot. Um, and I think when you're the left tackle, your quarterback has to trust that you're going to hold that hold that edge. Um, Makai did that over and over and over again against some really good competition last year. Um, I don't know. I just I, – I think if he cleans up that technique a little bit more, uh, I think the sky's the limit for Makai. I really do. Makes a lot of sense, Cameron. I got to ask this just because it comes up when you when you see players of that size. Are there any concerns about his weight? It's not, I mean, it sounds like he takes care of himself in the weight room and all that. Any concerns there? Yeah, no, I don't think so. He cut some weight coming into the season. I know that, and I think the, the strength coach showed me that a couple of days ago. Um, but I don't think so. I think Mikhail will stay around where he's at. I think he knows that's where he needs to be to be the most successful. Um, and I don't think he wants to get up above, even near or above 370. I think wherever he's at, that's solid weight. If you look at him, it's not like flop, flapping anyway. It's, I mean, it's muscle. Um, you wouldn't think he's 365 if you didn't, if you didn't know it. So. And I know you touched on it a little bit, but just reiterate, it sounds like this guy's work ethic is among oh. the best. There's no, no worrying about he's not, ever, not never going to be the type of guy that comes to camp out of shape or something like that. Yeah, no, at least not from what I understand. No, I'm talking to him, talking to people around him. Um, they, and he just he wants to be the best player on the field every time. I remember before the combine, I remember talking to the Louisville's offensive coordinator who said he had just talked to Makai and they were talking about him wanting to be the best tackle of all time. It would be interesting, though, to go to Cleveland and then be the guy to replace one of the greatest tackles of all time in Joe Thomas. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, there's nothing to worry about there with Makai. He, he still – he had a chip on his shoulder coming into the season because he didn't get as much preseason love as some people. And I think he still has a chip on the shoulder to prove it, whoever is doubting him wrong. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, sometimes the rise can, you know, go to a guy's head for lack of a better term, but it sounds like he's, he's stayed hungry and is, is carrying that uh, earlier second, third round grade, grade with them. So, Cameron, let's just do this. 
Browns are on the clock. I know you'll be watching at 10. Yeah. Let's say Makai's there and maybe a few other guys. Uh, Tristan Wirfs there, hypothetically, and Jedrick Wills is still there. Um, is is Makai Becton the guy? How how would you react as the Browns fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland Lance, Makai Becton. I, I would be I would be happy. I'd be really happy. I I went home, so I couldn't go home for Christmas because of the bowl game. But I went home for the New Year, and I was talking to my uncles and my cousins, and was like, "Listen, man, this you guys got to learn some about learn a little bit about Makai Becton. Like he's the real deal." Um, I love it. I think he fits perfectly. He's a dominant run blocker. I think that's perfect for what you want with Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. I think he, you want, if you want to run play action a little bit more, Baker, I think Makai's built for that. Um, he's also built for if you want him to step back and drop back. Right? I think Makai is just, I think he has the potential to be an all pro for a long time. Um, his just, he just has, his upside is just so much more than I think some of these other tackles in the draft. Bronze fans are hearing it from the source right here with Cameron Teague of the Carrier Journal. And I was going to say this for after the break, but we may as well get into it. Your Twitter bio reads Louisville football. <laughs> writer for Carrier Journal, next, right next to it, your, your proud title, the yeah. next thing you decide to say is tortured Browns fan. Yeah. Man, I, I see in the background, too, you got a little Cleveland banner up there. Yeah, I do, I do. For the listeners, uh, born and raised Cleveland, right? Yeah, born and raised. Went to, grew up in Maple Heights, um, went to St. Peter Chanel, which is in Bedford. Um, I mean, every, every Sunday at 1 o'clock was, was Browns games with my family for all my entire life, as much as I can remember. I love that, man. I love that. Being in Minnesota, I can't sugarcoat it. It's Vikings all the yeah. way. So I, I totally get that. I do understand that, that that first team always has a special place in your heart. Always. So what I want to ask you is people you still talk to in Cleveland, your friends there, family, you already mentioned family a little bit. Uh, do they have a, a feel of what they want the Browns to do at 10? Or are you kind of converting them to Mekhi Beckton people? What, what are your group chats yeah. like, man? So my, so I, my roommate – my old roommate from college and my, one of my best friends growing up is the biggest Browns fan I've ever known. Like, I mean, he's bigger, crazier, crazier than me. Um, and he texted me sometime during the season. He goes, who's this Makai Becton guy? He like does crazy research. You think he's like a draft analyst. Um, and we talk about it all the time. He, he would love, I think a lot of people will just, they just want to tackle. And I think of these four, they don't think you can go wrong. Um, I think the wish and hope and prayer for some of my friends and family is that Isaiah Simmons falls at 10, which I don't see any way that happens. Um, but I think, I think they'd be happy with Makai. I think a lot of people just want them to take a tackle at 10 because that seems like the lone missing piece for that offense. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm glad you brought up Isaiah Simmons. Um, for whatever reason, I think when it, the mock draft, like Daniel Jeremiah or something has Simmons falling and then I start kicking around in my head, like, all right, three quarterbacks, three tackles, yeah. you know, Chase Young, Okuda, it could happen. Maybe a wide receiver. It's a question I'm getting asked nonstop, so I'm getting sick of it. I'm going to throw it to you now, man. Isaiah Simmons is there at 10. Oh, so you got to take Isaiah Simmons. You got to take Simmons? I, he's the best player I've watched last, last year in college football. I mean, he, he's so much fun. He plays every position. He's, when you have a guy that versatile, he's, he's almost similar to, like, what the Chargers do with Duran James, I feel like. Yeah. Um, you could just move him around so much. I mean, I think last year he played safety, DB, outside cornerback, nickel, linebacker. They played him at end sometimes. A guy that fast, that athletic, with that much versatility, it's, it's hard to pass up on. I hear you there. Uh, before we go to break, then, let's just keep playing around with this hypothetical. The Browns land Simmons at 10. What do they do about left tackle? You're fine with finding one later in the draft, or do, what are your, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, maybe, maybe you make a trade for somebody. I know people are always talking about Trent Williams, but I feel like you probably have to give up a, a, probably what you, too much for him. Um, maybe you find one later in the draft. 
Um, it's, it's not a, a great tackle class, but it's a great top-heavy tackle class. So if you hypothetically take one to top 10, you're, ho you're hoping you got a starter for a long time. Um, yeah, it's a tough situation. You probably, I would probably wait later in the draft, maybe do one second or third round there. Good stuff. All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. We got our Mackay Becton NFL draft picks in here with Cameron Teague. On the next half of it, we'll talk even more Browns football with a Browns fan and Louisville beat writer Cameron Teague. So don't go anywhere, guys. Hello and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. I'm joined by Carrier Journal, Louisville football beat writer Cameron T. Cameron, again, thank you for joining us, spreading this Becton knowledge all over and your Cleveland Browns fan. We're having a good time here. And yeah, yeah. What, what I'm liking about this conversation, man, is uh, not only are you versed in the college world, obviously that's what you do, but you're a passionate Browns fan. So let's just yeah. keep rolling with that. Uh, the Browns wasted no time this offseason grabbing the big names off the market. Uh, first, Austin Hooper, tight end from the Atlanta Falcons, now a Brown, and then Jack Conklin, Tennessee Titan right tackle, now a Brown. Born and raised, as you said, Cleveland guy. What were your initial reactions when you see your hometown team grabbing these top players like, like it's a Madden pumped. fantasy draft or something, man? Pumped, 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 man. I, I, I remember before the Hooper thing even became a like, real deal, I remember mentioning it to my friend. I was like, if they added Hooper, I think it was after they got to fancy. I was like, if they add Hooper, man, that could be, that could be dangerous with him and Njoku, which Njoku stays healthy. Um, and then you had Conklin, which is one of the ones I was most excited about because you needed to seal those two edges. Um, right. I just, man, I, I pumped, pumped. That's, it's hard because you're a Browns fan and you've been getting excited during the offseason for years and years and years now. But and I told myself I wouldn't do it again. But then the signings that you saw, I was just like, it's hard not to be too excited about it. Hey, look, I'll go there if you're willing to. Can we talk about last season at all? Are the scars still fresh? I mean, that hype train was unlike anything I've ever witnessed. I, I, told, I told my old roommate, I, think, I don't remember what, I think it was the second Steelers game. I turned off at halftime. I've watched every Browns game for years. Wow. For years. I mean, I watched every 1-15 in 15 game. I watched every 0-16 game. Every game of the previous season. And this seat, I couldn't make the whole season. I, I don't know because it's – with college football, it's like Saturdays and you're tra traveling back on Sundays. I, but I always book early Sunday flights so I can get back for the Browns games. But I was just I, – I couldn't watch it. I most probably one of the most disappointed I've been. I mean, you have so much hype. And then you come in and then just – oh, man, it was – that was tough last year. It was tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry we had to go there, but I, I think listeners will appreciate your, your, yeah. your realness on that one, man. Um, let's pivot back now. As we said, you already mentioned Hooper and Conklin. Again, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but does this feel – do you feel better than last season? And with what they brought in, does it feel smarter and more organized, or are you still cautious? No, I, I feel better. I, th I feel like because they're bringing in people that fit Stefanski's scheme, and I feel like I like Stefanski a little bit more. Um, just because I, I just – I don't know. I feel like they're making methodical moves and not just trying to go get random talent. Um, I think they're trying to make moves that fit the scheme. Um, so I like it. I think the offense has a chance to be really good. I think if they continue to work with to Baker's strengths, which is kind of his play action and feed in the ground game, which I think a lot of people wanted to see more of last year, right. um, I think they'll be fine. I, I, I am a little bit more excited just because it seems more organized, more methodical. Try not to get too excited. But um, – and also you don't know what's going to happen with the season. So uh, this could be the year the Browns were going to make the playoffs and then they don't have a season, which would be so Cleveland. But <laughs> you imagine, man. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I am a little bit more excited this year than, than last year. Sure. Uh, we're going a little off script here, but I, I got to ask you just because I love your passion. 
Do you have an Odell Beckham view? Like, do, do you think he's better for the Browns? Would the team be better without him? How do you land on Beckham? Yeah, I was actually um, – I had to tell you a quick story. When they, when they traded for Beckham, I was driving to Nashville for the SEC tournament, and I just got to my hotel, and I was just, like, in shock. Like, I couldn't leave yeah. my hotel room because I was so shocked. I, I just don't think they used him right last year. I'm not sure they used anybody right last year offensively. Um, I think if they're able to play with the, the – stay within their scheme and play to kind of Baker's strengths, I think he'll be fine here. I just don't think they knew how to use him last year. They just grabbed a talent, a receiver, and, and Juice's best friend and just tried to put them together. But I think if you put them together right in the right scheme with Baker and with the running backs, I think he'll be fine. So I'm interested to see what he does this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think – just watching what Stefanski did in Minnesota, there's a lot of pieces that he could just mold that offense and bring it right. right to and it's very similar. I mean, you got two ta- really talented receivers like you did in Minnesota, two talented tight ends. And, I mean, to have both those backs, it's just, there's just so much versatility with that offense. Yeah, man, I hear that. Uh, let's wrap up with this. Let's, I want to ask you, pivot back to the draft here quickly. Let's say Makai's off the board, no Isaiah Simmons. Do you have a, a, a plan B – there for the Browns at 10 if those two guys are gone yeah I, th- I think you just at that point you got to take the best tackle on the board okay. I don't know Tristan Works is still there wouldn't mind him um I, but I, my thought with the draft in general is if there's no Isaiah Simmons you got to take a tackle at 10 um all four of them won't be gone it's very I guess it's highly unlikely all right. four of them won't be gone um so I think at that point you take the best available um and slot him in there and hope that he can kind of mold into the system we're on the same page there man and look, it wouldn't be a Browns podcast if I didn't ask you about the new jerseys. I know yeah, you feel yeah. type of way about it. So yeah. you saw, I, I'm sure – first, let's talk about the buildup. What was the buildup like for those jerseys? You saw the Falcons reveal theirs and then Tampa. Yeah. Did it, My, I, always, forever? I always worry when teams make a big deal out, out of them because you have a chance for it to be a dud. Like <laughs> right. and, and then you then you get joked on by other teams. And like we all know the Browns have been a joke for everybody for a long time, and I didn't want to see that again. Um, so, but I like them. I, I yeah. love the white ones. I think the whites are clean. Um, I would have liked to see, like everybody, I would have loved to see the orange pants. I would, that would be sweet. I, do, I hope they find a way to make that happen. But I really like the white ones. I think those are really nice. Yeah, Mary Kay is already writing about it. You're talking about it. You, yeah. you know these Browns fans can speak things into existence, right? Yeah, exactly. If, they, if they're listening, I, I feel like we might have some more orange pants by sometime during the season. There you go. Mary Kay, Cameron Teague. People want orange pants. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if you don't see them soon. Yeah. All right, Cameron, look, this was awesome. That's Cameron Teague of the Carrier Journal. Does great work covering the Louisville football team. One of the up-and-coming writers in our business. Cameron, I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me, Alex. All right, take care. Tell Rain I say hi, too, man, all right? I will. I will. All right, much love. Yeah.